Pastor Mark, and I'm glad to be able to share with you today in our summer series as we're taking on the book of Psalms. Um, I, am, I am so thankful to see you and all of our, our online audience as well. We are grateful that you've chosen to, to tune in and watch what's going on at Kingwood today, and we consider you part of this, this body. We appreciate you being here. You know, when I was a kid, I had a, I had a really big imagination, and I always played in that big imagination. Uh, if I saw a movie or something on TV, I would go outside and play it. I would become that character. One of my favorites was Robin Hood, okay? I had a little hat with a little feather in it and, all, and had a bow and arrow. I loved Robin Hood. Robin Hood was like the hero guy that, that um, you know, helped the needy and, and, and uh, brought terror to the to the rich folks that had all the stuff, and, and I just loved playing Robin Hood. Now, Robin Hood was not a real guy. It was probably based on a lot of different characters, but it was a legend, but it was based in a real historical uh, era. It was in England, and uh, there was a king whose name was Richard the Lionhearted. Oh, yeah, Richard. Now, see, I played Richard, too. I liked Richard. He was, he was the brave chivalrous knight, and so I would go get my metal garbage can lid and my stick, and brother, I want you to know, I was, I was King Richard. There were bushes in front of my house, and I would, I would fight those bushes. Several of them died because I killed them so many times, I think. But um, man, I, and I would have like a little towel around my neck, you know, and, and I, that's who I was. I was King Richard. Well, King Richard in real life, um, he, he was only... He was only on the throne a short while, and he decided to go with all of his knights with an army to Jerusalem and free Jerusalem in the Crusades. And so he left the kingdom in the charge of his wicked, cruel brother, King John. And that's the best picture we could find of John, okay? <laughs> King John. Now, King John was, he, he, was, uh, he was greedy, he tried to get as much money out of everybody as he could, and it, and it always hurt the poor more than anyone because he somehow stole from all of them, and uh, some of the barons and rich folks, they didn't have to pay anything, and, and he was very cruel, and that's why the whole Robin Hood legend came to be. People tried to help the poor, and, and that's where that all came from. Now, Everybody in England back in the day was wanting their King Richard the Lionhearted to come home. Oh, when the king comes home, he'll make everything right. Everyone wanted King Richard home. But he wasn't home yet. You know, that's, that's a lot like it is right now in the world we live in. We, we live in a world that's sort of, it's like King, king John in all the world. It's like Satan is having his way and it's... And all the cruel, terrible things are happening. We know that Jesus is coming back, but he's not back yet. And we are longing, we are longing for our king to come back. And really, what Psalm 110, which is the one we're going to look at today, Psalm 110 is really about this kind of story, okay? Psalm 110. First of all, I want to tell you, Psalm 110 is the, the psalm most quoted in the Bible, the single psalm in the Bible that's quoted more times than any, especially in the New Testament. Jesus quoted it. Uh, the apostles quoted it. It's in the book of Hebrews. It's in the book of Acts. Uh, it's incredibly famous, and there's, there's a reason why, and we're going to look into that reason uh, today. It was written by David. 
David was inspired by God, Jesus said, and used it as a prophecy. So this is a prophetic psalm. Let's look at verse 1, okay? The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, the Lord says to my Lord, who's talking here? Well, let me tell you who's talking here. David is the one writing. And so David says, the Lord, and you notice that's in all caps. That means it's actually the word Jehovah or Yahweh that's there. So the Lord, David says, is saying to David's Lord, my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. So the question is, who is this my Lord that David is talking about? Who is this my Lord that God is speaking to? Well, the answer is in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus answered this big question that we have, all right? In Matthew 22, what was going on was Jesus was being questioned by the Pharisees always. They were asking him questions, and he was answering them brilliantly. And then Jesus turned the tables, turned around, and decided to ask them a question. So Jesus asked them this question. Jesus says, Hey, guys, uh, what do you think about the Messiah that's coming? Who's, who is, whose son is the Messiah? Whose son is the Messiah? Well, whose son is it? Well, it's David's son. They, the Pharisees said, yeah, it's David's son that's the Messiah, David's son. And they said, yeah, that's true. And then Jesus asked them this question. How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, in other words, he's prophesying, how is it that David calls him Lord? And then he says this, if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And they couldn't answer him. They were, they were, they were flabbergasted. They didn't know how to answer him. Here's the reason why. Jesus was trying to tell them who he was. Jesus was trying to let them know, I'm Messiah, and David is calling me Lord. But they, they didn't get that. They got the idea, even some of them, that Jesus was in the family of David. David had a lot of kids and grandkids and great-grandkids over a thousand years. So he was in the line of David, but this is what they didn't catch. Jesus, the Messiah, was not just from David's line of DNA— he was also the son of God. That's why when the angel came to Mary and said, you're to call his name Jesus, this one whom the Holy Spirit has over, overshadowed you and you will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, he shall be called the son of God. Why? Because he's not, Jesus is not just flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. That's the truth. This is the truth that we know. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God at the same time. Folks, that is the basis of Christianity, that Jesus is God. People who, who and we're not talking about the Jesus that's the great philosopher Jesus, the great Jewish teacher Jesus, the great compassionate one who, who changed so many people's lives by all the kind things he did for them. That's who some people preach Jesus. But let me tell you who he is. He's God. He's Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh on the earth. 
That's the identity of Jesus. The identity of Jesus is a big deal. In America, everybody's all about their identity crisis. Let me tell you what, they don't happen to worry about the one whose identity is the most important identity, and that's him. You get Jesus right, and he'll straighten out your identity crisis, I'm telling you. Jesus is the one we need to know who he is. And people don't really know who he is. I want to move on to um, uh, the last part of verse 1. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, this is God talking to Jesus. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That phrase, a footstool for your feet, what in the world is that about? Well, in the Middle East, when a king conquered another king, he would have the leaders of that country, the, the, the king or the armies or whatever, come and kneel before the king, and the king would actually take his foot and put it on their neck. Uh, in the British Museum, there is, a, there is actually a picture of this happening. Um, this guy named, a Syrian king named Tiglath-Pileser, which is named in the Bible, uh, he, had, he had conquered these lands, and there's, there's a picture of him actually with his foot on that guy's neck. What it means is the, this person has been conquered, and this person is the victor. And the Bible says, God says to his son Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool, until you have completely conquered. So God is ultimately saying this to the Messiah. Jesus, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. You have obeyed me and not the world. You have obeyed me perfectly. You have given your life on a cross. You have, you have taken, uh, taken uh, the sins of the world upon yourself. You've died. You've been buried. You have resurrected. You have ascended. And you sit at my right hand. Now stay here until I finish the work of putting all the evil stuff under your feet. It's just like Philippians chapter 2. Listen to what Philippians 2 says in the New Testament. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do we believe that? Yes, we believe that. We know that's true. We know that's true. Jesus is our victorious king, and every enemy will be put under his feet one day in toto. All of them, all of them, everybody who opposes him, everybody who is against him will be conquered because Jesus is the victorious king. I am confident of this fact. Jesus wins. You agree with me? Jesus wins. Now, you say, well, that sounds real good and all, but when I look around, it sure doesn't look like Jesus has won a victory. It sure doesn't look like everything's under his feet. It looks messed up. I mean, just look at the year 2022. It sure doesn't look like it. We've endured a world pandemic with millions of deaths. Wars rage. Greed is still unbridled in the world. Violent crime is skyrocketing. Gangs terrorize the streets of our cities. Looting and theft are rampant. Lawlessness. 
Law and order has, has faded away to lawlessness. That's scary. Man's inhumanity to man is taking center stage again. Sexual abuse and deviant behaviors are being celebrated by some people. The drug epidemic from young people dying from drug overdoses in our country alone. Did you know 107,000 young people died in America last year because of fentanyl alone? Fear, anxiety, panic has gripped so much of our population. Christians in many places on the earth are being persecuted and dying for their faith. Belief in biblical truth is even questioned by Christians who want to rewrite the Bible to fit their own culture. The cult of death around abortion, even though the Supreme Court said one thing, they're screaming they want more of it, more abortion, more abortion. You're saying, what in the world is going on in people's minds? Children suffer, families suffer, marriages suffer, the economy suffers, our nation suffers, the world suffers. What's right is now wrong and what's wrong is now right. Absolute truth is not truth at all anymore. And it seems like civilization as we've known it is headed right off a cliff. With all that going on, it sure doesn't look like everything's under Jesus' feet. Doesn't look like Jesus is winning, does it? If you've ever thought that, don't worry. That is a very legitimate thing to think about, but I've got the answer for it. I've got to tell you something you need to know, and it's in Psalm 110, verse 1. You ready? Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. God tells Jesus, until, until. Obviously, there's this interim time from the time he won the victory till all the things are put in place as they're supposed to. That's the until time. It's an intermediate period that we are in right now. We're living in that until time, waiting for Jesus to return and set things back, put enemies under his feet. It is striking when you read the New Testament how many times the word until is used. We're supposed to pray until he comes. We're supposed to watch until he comes. We're supposed to serve until he comes. We're supposed to, um, uh, uh, all the untils in the scripture are all about this interim time we're in. We're in the until. As a Christian, that's what our faith is about. Faith is not everything you see already accomplished. Faith is knowing that it has been accomplished in the heavenlies and it will be accomplished on the earth. That's what our faith is in. We are confident. We believe Jesus won, he wins, and he will win. We know that. But still, in the until time, we see a lot of things messed up in the world. Boy, do we see things messed up in the world. That's a result of man's sin, of the curse upon the world for disobeying God. That's why Jesus came to die on a cross, to save us from our sins, to wash our sins away. One day, Jesus will return. He'll establish a new heaven and a new earth and restore what has been lost to the earth 
because of sin. That's what our Christian faith is all about. That's where we are right now. God's plan has not finished unfolding yet. It's already accomplished in the heavenly realm. He has already won all the victory that needs to be won by what he did. But we're living in the parentheses time, in the until. Look around. That's where we're living. The Bible teaches that Jesus is waiting right now until, uh, the Scripture says, until the gospel is preached to all nations, which is why missionaries go to Columbia to minister to the deaf. That's why missionaries go all over the world. That's why you have neighbors next to you that need to hear about Jesus. He says, until everyone who will receive the gospel is saved, they haven't all received it yet. And then, Jesus says, the end will come. Then. we got to realize we are in the until right now. we got to realize that we are in the until. Don't get discouraged when you look around. We're in the until. So what do we do in this until time? Do we sit around? Do we hunker down? Hunker down and wait till Jesus comes back? Oh, I hope he hurry. I don't think we can last. We can't last another generation. We can't last. I get we won't last 10 more years. I remember being in high school and believing I would never graduate from high school because Jesus was going to come because they said we can't last. I remember that. Now, I'm not, I'm not making fun of, of expecting the Lord to come. I'm just telling you. We get our thing made up. We can't last. Let me tell you what. He said until he comes, we're in the until We've got a job to do in the until. It's the truth. Do we just hunker down and wait? No. That's exactly the thing he said not to do. We don't hunker down. As servants of the king, we do the king's business. When the evil is reigning like old King John and King Richard is off in Jerusalem, the heavenly one, what do we do? We become Robin Hood. We work for the good king. We go around stealing the devil's stuff and setting God's people free. That's what we do. You know, I, I, the, uh, the scriptures, I'm, I'm getting my brains together here. Psalm 110, uh, verse Two and three, listen to this. This is powerful. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. He's talking to the, the Messiah, Jesus. Rule in the midst of your enemies. And then look at this. Your people, that's us, that's Christians, your people will offer themselves freely in the day of his power. Ooh, your people, that's us will offer themselves freely, will offer themselves freely. That, that phrase, offer themselves freely, is a Hebrew word, just one Hebrew word, nadab. Nadab, nadab is a, a love, is a free will offering you would bring to the Lord, not because you were required by the law of Moses to do it, but because your heart of love to him wanted you to bring him an offering. It's, it's a free offering. It's what, when we give tithes, and offerings, the offerings, the free will offerings. It's not something required of you. It's something that you do because you love him, because you love God. He says, in that day, 
your people will become a free will offering. Like Romans 12 says, because of the great mercies of God, love, forgiveness of our sins, God wants us to offer ourselves a living and holy sacrifice. While we're alive on this earth, we become, we offer ourselves to our king and say, we'll be Robin Hood, God, until Jesus comes back and sits on his throne. We'll fight for you. We will do whatever we have to do to get your work done. You know, missionary David Grant, some of you have heard of him. David Grant, I remember him from the first time I came to Kingwood as a college student. I remember David Grant showing up one time. He, he always tells this story about uh, how he, he was a young boy and they were passing the offering plate for the missionary and he didn't have any money. And so he just got the offering plate, put it on the floor and stepped in it and said, I'll just give myself to be a missionary. You know what? He became a great, powerful missionary in India. That's what happened. That's what God says his people are going to do. When? In the until time. In the until time. You know, one of the greatest signs that God is moving in a church is when people are serving. And, 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 and in, in the opposite, one of the signs of a dying church is when people just come to listen and nobody serves. Now, I want you to look at another phrase. In the day of his power. Ooh, in the day of his power. You know, what, you know when that is? Now! <laughs> we are right now in the day of his power. We are supposed to give ourselves freely in the day of his power. Folks, that's what Pentecost was about. That's what happened when the Holy Spirit came. He gave us power to do what? To be Robin Hood. He gave us that power. The coming of the Holy Spirit was all about that. It was all about God raising up an army where in the until time would take the gospel to the world and not be afraid. A Holy Ghost army of Robin Hoods in the midst of a wicked, broken world. Listen, we are in a broken world, yes, but we are not of a broken world. That's what the Bible says. In it, but not of it. Listen, we may be living in a difficult world, but we are not victims. We are victorious because we have a different God that we serve. It's true. Our body may be in this world, but we have a relationship with Jesus that is in the heavenly realms at the right hand of God, and we have access to the heavenly realms. We're not trapped on this earth. We don't have to go hide in caves and say, oh, Jesus, hurry up and come. No, we've got everything we need to do what he wants us to do on this earth. Our body may be here but our heart is in heavenly places. And God says he has placed us there with him in heavenly places. You know where that is? That's where you get to talk to God face to face. That's where God's power resides. That's where God's presence resides. That's where the miracle power of God resides. That's where, that's where your prayers go. That's how you talk to God. That's where your relationship with God is in the heavenly realm, not in the broken world, but in God's world. We're just his ambassadors down here now. 
It's where we're fed by living water and we eat spiritual food. It's where our prayers are answered. It's where we talk to him. It's where we know his perfect peace in the middle of a broken world. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. So we get to live in a heavenly realm while we're on the earth. Yes, we're affected by the earth. Sure, we're affected by the things of the earth. We're humans. We're affected by these things. But we have a connection with heaven, not tomorrow, now. This is the day of his power. And that power he promises us is no little thing. No little thing. Hey, you know, when, when you think about this, when we're down here and we have our limitations and we get attacked by the enemy and we find these things happening in our lives that we can't explain and we have to endure certain things and we go, oh God, I just, I just hurry up and take me to heaven. Paul said this when he ran up on one of these situations. He says, God spoke to me and said, my grace is sufficient. Now let me tell you what that means. His grace is sufficient does not mean he's going to give you this little umbrella called grace and you're just going to hide up under it and tremble until Jesus comes. That's not what it is. You know what the grace is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. It's all the gifts of the Spirit. Do you know they're called grace gifts? Knowledge and prophecy and miracles and healing. That's all grace gifts. God's grace is sufficient for us while we're here. We have all kinds of power on this earth because we're connected to him. That's amazing to me to think about. His grace is sufficient. It's more than sufficient for us. Let me, let me just read to you what Jesus himself said about the power he has given us in these days. You ready? And in the last days, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old, young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and upon male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, let's keep going. Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. That's, that's the power of this day. How about this one? Luke 9, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Folks, that's in the until time. That's not the millennium. That's, until the, that's in, the, in this parentheses time where it looks like all the King Johns are ruling and it looks like Richard is, is off in Jerusalem. But Robin Hood's here. And who are we working for? The king. We're working for the king. That is exactly what the apostles did, that's exactly what the disciples did, that's exactly what the early Christians did, and that is exactly what God has asked us to do. It was not an easy world in the first church. The Roman Empire was definitely a King John Empire. It was awful. It was awful. It was cruel. But the Christians spread the gospel like a virus around the world, and it changed everything because they walked in the until in the power of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> what about you what are you doing in the until time hunkering down 
biting your fingernails. I don't know how we're going to survive. Are you servants who are working until Jesus comes? Are you the Robin Hood stealing from the devil and blessing the people of God? Maybe you'll say, well, I've not really been serving God uh, in a meaningful way. Well, maybe today's the day God wants you to rise up and say, I'm going to start serving and doing, doing kingdom work instead of just doing personal work and just getting through and doing my job and making sure my kids have all the toys they want. Maybe he's calling you just to remain faithful in what God's called you to be. Listen, sometimes when you serve God, it gets discouraging. I'm just going to tell you, it gets discouraging. Pastors get discouraged sometimes. I've, I've recently been discouraged about a few things. And the Lord, you know what the Lord did? The Lord sent me two people, two people that I didn't even know. They didn't know me to prophesy to me and to tell me and give me instruction. And it was from God and it encouraged me. What? That's, that's what happens in the until. God has his people everywhere. In 1940, the German blitzkrieg overran France as the beginning of World War II. The French were overwhelmed quickly, and France became a, a vassal state of Nazi Germany. Uh, there were basically two different kind of people in France after the Germans took over. And they were there for five years. There were what was called the Vichy French. The Vichy French were the French who just cooperated with the German Nazis and just said, we're just going to go along to get along. And they changed everything about what they thought. Their neighbors who were Jews, they turned in to the Nazis. They just said, I got to preserve myself, just got to keep going. They were called the Vichy French. But there was another group of people called the Free French. The Free French were the ones that were the Robin Hoods. They went underground and they fought the Nazis tooth and toenail. They fought them everywhere you can imagine. They even took over little areas of, of the territory and they caused all kind of trouble for the Nazi government. Now, both groups of French, the Vichy French and the Free French, were waiting, were waiting on the Allies to come and invade uh, the Americans and the British and the Allies to come and drive the Germans out of France. Both of them were waiting for that to happen. But they waited two different ways. One group waited and just did whatever the enemy told them. The others fought and refused to lose their heart and their life. They fought for freedom until freedom came. Our world is in the interim time. We're in the until. We're waiting until. Now things are not the way they're going to be. Jesus is not ruling this earthly world the way he will one day. It's not, it all hadn't unfolded yet. It's not all there yet. In most places, it looks like Satan's power has even had an upper hand. So what do we do? We got two responses. We can either go along with this crazy, sinful culture that wants to steal our hearts and change what we believe that 
God has said for 2,000 years and rewrite God's laws and rewrite God's Bible and change things and let us walk according to the culture of this world. Or we can be the ones who fight for freedom till freedom comes by proclaiming the truth of God and by living the truth of God and by serving and by serving Him every way we can. Not just with our mouth and our declaration but with how we treat people with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. With using the gifts of the Spirit that lift people up, that encourage, that love, and in the middle of the hatred, the Robins Hood show up with smiles on their faces. And they say, don't worry, the King's coming. And until then, I represent Him. Sometimes it looks around and and some we look around and it looks like dry bones, doesn't it? Dry bones live. Dry bones, it's time to live. God's going to make an army out of dry bones because in this until time, there's still work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. And we're going to serve until Jesus comes and until every knee bows and until every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now there's one thing. This, this, is, this is my point. You notice I had not had any points yet? Well, I'm not about to give you a bunch of them. I've got one point. There's one motivation that will, will, that will keep us during the until time. It's the same motivation that the English had waiting for Richard to come back. They loved, they loved, they loved their king. Our one motivation during the until time will be an ardent, undying love for Jesus. Undying love for Him. Why why do I serve my children? Because I love them. Why do I serve my neighbors? Because I know them and I love them. Why do we serve Jesus? Because we love Him. I don't want to do it because I'm expected to. I want to do it That's a free will offering to him because I love him. When I was in college, I I took a trip and there was this, there was this uh, lady. He was, um, she was a former nun uh, who was, who was a powerful speaker. She was from Germany and she spoke. Her name was Basilia Schlink. And she said this, she said, in the last days, only those who have an undying love for Jesus will make it. An undying love for Jesus. My invitation to you is going to be this today. If you feel like in your heart you're just going through the motions, that undying love for Jesus has become just sort of an obligation or maybe you wonder, God, I I don't even know that I love you enough to do what you say. You begin to see things are getting cold. You say, I don't want to be vichy. I want to be free. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to, to hunker down. I want to be who you want me to be. God, I ask you, light that fire of love on the inside. I choose to follow you again, Jesus. I offer you an invitation today to ask God, Lord, Lord, I want to love you. I want to love you. 
Lord, I want to love you more. I appreciate our worship team. They're coming. I, 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 I requested this song to end with today. The reason I requested it is because I think it's one of my favorites. And I sing it a lot. And I, it goes over in my mind a lot. And now I need it more than ever. And I'm going to ask all of you, if you will, to, to stand with me. We're going to let this be a proclamation. And then right afterwards, our prayer team is going to come. And, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to seal the deal in your heart with the Lord. An ardent love for Jesus. For Jesus. My Jesus, I love you. My Jesus, I love you. Sing with us. Sing from your hearts.